Welcome to the Live Explore podcast. If you like what you hear, please hit like and subscribe. Welcome everyone to the Build Better podcast brought to you by Live Explore. I'm Sean Payne, co-host of the podcast. I'm Isaiah Chass, other co-host. And today we have Carrie Shores Diller of Inspired ADUs with us. Carrie, thank you very much for joining us today. Yeah, my pleasure. So uh, kind of a theme here is ADUs, uh, higher density development, things of that nature. So uh, it's great to have you on and talk about this conversation and get your perspective. Uh, so tell us, what is Inspired ADUs? So Inspired ADUs is an architecture firm. Uh, we started off as a traditional architecture firm, but over the years we've kind of just begin to focus on the ADU movement as the legislature got more um, encouraging. So basically, ADUs came around in like 2001. Uh, the state recognized we were going to have a shortage of housing. Right. They at that time called them second dwellings, uh, and they allowed local municipalities to allow this kind of housing, but they also allowed them to put on a bunch of complicated right. restrictions, which they all chose to do. Um, then basically every few years, the state keeps stripping away their uh, their rights, and now we have kind of where we are today. So we started doing 80 years, ooh, 80 years uh, 15 years ago, but that was just like maybe you do one a year because it was like to find the lot that was you know, could make it happen was really rare. Right, right. Um, so we, we set up the separate division, and it's now it's complete separate companies. So Inspired ADUs does custom architecture design. We've done so many that if we have a good plan and it's living well, we put it into our catalog. So someone could buy an existing design to help go faster and keep the cost down. Um, they can modify those if they want. And then we have a line of panelized kits where you can kind of buy the walls in segments that are delivered to the site, and mm -hmm. then we have a, a prefab option as well. And are any of those uh, floor plans or um, builds, I guess, streamlined with any local jurisdictions where they, they've already seen that model and it makes it that much easier if you go with that rather than a new custom design? Well, the, the prefab or modular units are approved at the state level. You still have to get a local permit, so that does kind of slow things down from time to time, so you don't quite benefit from the experience. We're not seeing that. We had a, a pre-approved plan in with um, San Jose, Napa, Sonoma has a great program, and Petaluma is involved in that, um, so we have several plans in there. Okay. In there. Pre-approved. Uh, um, the Napa, Sonoma, ADU, which I think is expanding. To a couple other counties now too. Yeah, isn't it? I forget who was telling us. It's no longer uh, called that. I think. Yeah, I, someone I think, was telling us that. Yeah, it's it's a great program mm -hmm. actually, and they I think they've kind of been leading San Jose and um, the Napa Sonoma ADU program have been leading the industry on on that. Are we seeing a ton of traction on it? You know, not totally, but there's also a new a new law that came into place that says once an ADU has been approved, it becomes a pre-approved plan during that code cycle. So, oh, really? At the state level? At, well, we don't. The, so the governor <laughs> right. just passed But so this. much of this, we really don't know. Yeah, like, you right? guys are going to have to call me back for right, sure. Right, right, Because right, right. there's like, at the state level, the governor signed the bill. Like, what it means, like, I don't know if it means I do one in Petaluma and then it, it's approved in Petaluma. Or if I do one in Berkeley, it's also approved in Petaluma. Like, right. we don't know that yet. Right. Um, that's like, kind of hasn't been worked out, I don't think. I mean, the, that goes back to kind of what you originally said, is that is that ADUs are becoming more and more feasible because um, uh, the state is, is like, uh, 
trying to knock down these roadblocks that the local municipalities put into place right. that way. And now we're in a situation, even though the state's putting in, in these laws, uh, that it now comes down to interpretation at the at the local level, how they see these. And we're still running into those roadblocks that way. So. We are to some degree, but I mean, basically, there's what we call the, the state-exempt ADU. Like, every homeowner in California has the right to build an 800-square-foot ADU four feet from the side and rear property line that's at least 16 feet tall. Okay. And anything like floor area ratio or lot coverage or anything that you might have been up against before is waived. Okay. So that is like the non-negotiable, right, right. simple, everybody has that right. Um, now there's all these other nuances that have gotten added on and municipalities can be more encouraging. Um, and most of them are choosing to go that route. Really? That's been your experience? Most? Uh, I mean, I know, you're, I don't want you to like get in trouble, like try to get a project approved or something yeah. like that way. But really, has that been your... Uh... So there's a couple things that happened. Um, one, SB9 yes. came around, and I know we're going to talk about that some, right, but right. like SB9 is where you can split your house and then add an ADU to... Split your lot. Your split lot. your yeah. lot. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, split your lot, add a bunch of new units. That scared all the planning and building departments like pretty seriously. So between that... And then we're in this, we're just trying to close out this cycle of the state does a prediction every eight years right. and says, it's called the RENA, Regional Housing Needs Assessment. Yes. They'll say, hey, Petaluma, you guys have to add, you know, X number of housing in the na- next right. eight years. Sonoma County has 14,500 that we need to add within right. the next eight years. I can't remember the exact. It's, I'm not even sure that's been established yet about how For many. Next... Oh, it's definitely been established. Uh, and, and where we are now is like the... Petaluma has to submit their plan to the state and say, here's how we're going to do it. Yeah, but they don't have to meet those numbers. They have to show that they're operating in good faith. Right. And then the, the city identifies, like, uh, potential lots that can be developed that right. way. But what we found is that those cities, I would say, are being uh, very careful in the lots they they select yes. that way. So that's why I'm saying, like, even though that, like you, the, the states identified those those needs for housings, and yes, the, 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 the municipalities have to show good faith. Right. I think that can be argued if they are showing good faith or, or certain ones that way. So. Well, I think both the SB9 and all this new housing needs that have been assigned have made the ADU all of a sudden like the hero of the day. Because yes. the I ADU, so yeah. it brought it home. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. ADU basically is providing, they're looking at that as a way to provide a lot of these units right. over that next eight-year cycle. Right. Um, and, you know, people are really worried about, you know, high-density housing changing the character of their neighborhoods. Sure. And these little sure. cottages you tuck in the back, you might not even know are there, um, all of a sudden look like a great way to get there. Right. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. So through those lenses, we're seeing that they're being a lot more encouraged. And I will elaborate. I think from a planning standpoint, from the planning department, they're much, um, basically all the ADU legislation really focused on planning and, and streamlining planning approval. Fire and building are still, and energy codes are still kind of working out uh-huh. their excitement and uh, interpretations on ADUs. Sure. So, you know, you the planning, which historically could be really scary if, for a homeowner if you were doing development, that's been, like, completely streamlined. But there are other departments that are still kind of coming around. Right, right. Yeah. Sure, no, that's understandable. Without getting too much into SB9 yet, what, uh, in your experience, how many projects are going the SB9 route versus just their right to put an ADU on their property? I mean, we're seeing, so we have something like, 
I don't know, 40 or 50 ADUs going. Um, and we have one SB9. Mm-hmm. I mean, if that gives you right, a sense of it. Right. You know, the SB9, I think the laws are just not that clear. Like, oh, the fee structure isn't that clear. Um, I even went to a conference the Turner Center for Housing put on, I think it was a year ago, November. But, like, at that time, there were only something like nine SB9 applications in the state so it's not really it's increased a little bit but not much i think we what did i say 22 like in in uh, uh los angeles county mm-hmm. alone i think they had like 22 applications okay. for sb9 yeah so and that was like applications i don't think those were yeah. that was like i can't remember how many were approved right. it was like i don't even want to say right but it was like maybe three or five or something like that i guess i mean uh uh but yeah to your point so um, I think we'll see the same, you know, if you if you look back at the the path and the trajectory of ADUs, uh-huh. I think we'll probably see a similar right, right. trajectory. I think it'll take a number of years. Sure, it's sure. my opinion. I'm sure the legislature, like, like, it needs to be massaged a little bit. I think right. it was a solid attempt. And, right. and uh, you know, financing, I'm sure, like, uh, speaking to the choir here probably, yeah. but, like, you know, we have to have more financing options for right. this as well to make it yeah. uh, more feasible. So, And uh, we are starting to see some, um, you know, we haven't seen the big banks yet right. adapt, but we're starting to see some ADU-specific yep. packages. And actually, there's... I'll, we'll have to double check this, uh, but there there was recently a shift in Freddie and Fannie in terms of funding ADUs because they had a strange definition of ADUs and they wouldn't let you count the income. Yes, and that has shifted like yes. in the last couple, maybe in October. Right, yeah. right. That as long shifted. as they're legal, right. um, ADU dwelling, then or ADU, uh, then you can count up to seventy five percent of right. that rental income. So that was huge. a really big a shift, I and mean, then we're seeing more like you know Redwood City. Credit Union has an ADU program. There's like Renify and some other kind of different model of financing that are trying to acknowledge the need for the ADU product. So we're starting to see some of those some pop of up. There's a Cal Hafa program for, mm-hmm. I want to say like the underground construction, everything up to the above construction. I may be wrong on that, but yeah, it's something Cal- of that nature. FHA grant. Yes, the ADU yes. Grant. So have, that's, have you worked with that? Have you had yeah, any success with that? Yeah, we've gotten a bunch of clients to get it, which really? is great. Yeah, so okay. basically the state's giving a $40,000. Um, it covers all your soft costs, like architectural fees, engineering, right. permit costs. There's some funny categories, like what you were saying, mm-hmm. like trenching and site preparation and, and things like that are also um, included. included. Yeah. But we've had a lot of clients qualify for it and it's been pretty nice because these ADUs are expensive to build right. and taking like a $40,000 top off it and I honestly once you process the the fees I I think we're seeing clients get around 3500 or 35,000 sorry that would be a bad okay. processing. Right, right. Um but 35,000 and it's you know you don't have to pay it back it's um, Right, right. It's just, you know, a little extra right it's, it's helping it's good to hear that's been used because when when we originally heard about the program the qualification standards that you had to that that box you had to fit in in order to receive the grant it, it almost seemed like there's no way that you'd be able to a fit into that box to get it but then on the flip side have the income and assets to actually finish that project right. out right uh, I would think that it might be people that have owned the home for a while and have equity and then maybe are adding a unit. I think we talked about this. We're like, yeah. we're adding an ADU. It's not like like someone who's bought the home recently in the right. last couple of years, but it's someone that's been there for a while, has equity. Maybe they're pulling equity out of their home to finance the project or something of that nature, right. plus using the grant that way. Right. It's that's, that's good to know, though. That's good to know. Um, I'm always kind of skeptical of Cal Hafa grants, uh, not specifically to that, but just right. other within housing because they, they – 
I don't know. Anyway, uh, but it's very good to know yeah. that they are being used in that sense. So. Right, and then the, and I, I don't have, I have one other client who's in Napa who's got the, Napa has another, mm-hmm. they have an $80,000 Oh, yeah, that's right, program, that's right, right? Yeah. And I know that's linked to the Napa Sonoma ADU program, but I don't, okay. we'd have to double check the details. So I don't know if that applies to more um, municipalities outside of Napa, but sure, we do have one client that, that qualified for that as well. So Can you apply for both of them? I think it's, yes, you can. I don't know if it's like you get 40 from Cal HFA and then another 40 from Napa to make sure. the 80, or I'm not no. exactly, I don't have all the super details on that. But to me, what's exciting is, you know, there are people that are qualifying and getting it and we're getting paid from it. So it's, right. it's out there and it's working. It is. No, yeah. that's really, that's 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 well needed. So that's good right. to hear that's actually working that yeah. way. So what are, what are some areas that, uh, that uh, Inspired ADU serve? So we serve... Um, Northern California, and then we just are launching in Orange County area. So we're kind of serving kind of those two hubs. Um, We are looking in this next year to expand our our offerings Uh because we've developed some of these panel kits and our prefab, and um, we have the opportunity to, to kind of go further out. But we just also like to test everything in our own backyard first and then and then scale it. Yeah, it seems sure. like uh, you do offer a variety of solutions. So, you know, so often there's one ADU company that does one certain type of, which is totally understandable. Right. So you have kind of, uh, it seems like every different type of solution that you yeah. would potentially need that way. So Yeah, we're trying to be, you know, well, one, as our ADUs have grown, you know, we just started as custom right. ADUs. And then we saw this like, okay, we've got a nice, group of ADUs in a catalog and we found that some people are you know our mission I should back up and say is that we want to give more people access to good design uh-huh. I think that's where we are a design driven company we're not a tech company we're you know not funded we're just like very passionate about design sure we really started our ADUs focused on how to pull multi-generational families together and that meant that our designs were all set up for aging in place so right. you could have an aging parent because most of our houses aren't set up for that. Uh-huh, sure. Turns out no one wants to talk about aging. So right. that was a, a good lesson to learn years ago. And then, but actually through COVID, because, you know, nursing homes got wiped out, people were like, oh, uh, everyone acknowledged they didn't really want to go into a nursing home, but nobody had a plan. And so there was a very intentional shift during COVID of phone calls where people say, okay, I want to set up my property. I, I don't want to leave my neighborhood. I don't want to leave my tax rate. I don't want to leave my friends. Um, so I'm going to figure out what to, what I can do on my property to set it up for being as independent as possible. Right. Um, so that was a big kind of focus of ours. And so as we've developed these different ADUs, we're always trying to think about how we could make it faster, more affordable, or simplify the process. And so that's why we got into different construction methods, like the the prefab and then the panelized kits. Very cool. Yeah. All right. I'm going to jump all over the place. Great. Really quick for our, our listeners, um, why, why like, putting in ADUs and having multi-general fa- uh, family or, or properties are so important is because, um, you know, there are metrics out there that show when, when someone goes into a retirement community, their, their, their lifespan is greatly reduced. And so um, it's just important to, for, for, for generations to interact with other generations that way. It benefits right. everyone right. Um, that way. Uh, two, um, is there like a, a certain model that is most popular? I know right now it's going to be kind of the higher end market because, because but, but do you see like you guys going to like, or do you think the panels are going to become like, what, 
stumbling all around here. Yeah, no, I'm what do you think is going to be like, where do you think it's going? Do you have a popular model? Do you think it's going to go to a popular segment? Like talk about that maybe a little sure. bit. I think we are seeing that the panelized kits are helping us actually deliver ADUs a bit more affordably. The modulars are really interesting. So mm-hmm. prefab and modular are the same, right? They're, and it's important to know like manufactured and mobile homes are different. They're a lower totally. level quality. Right. They're built to a lower building standard. Right. AD, prefab and modular are an interchangeable word, right? Those are made in a factory and they arrive completely done and then they're craned into the backyard. And so much of the world builds like that except around here. That's right. Yeah, okay. And for us, I mean, we have developed our prefab um, unit. It's in like, you know, a lot of times you're just seeing a modular as like one skinny bar and it gets popped in. For ADUs, that can be complicated because you might have a a certain site condition like a historic tree or we're really hyper-focused on like how do the little house and the big house relate to one another? Like you don't want the occupants to be in the backyard with these huge glass walls, which like as a modern architect, I love to design, but I don't want to live in a big glass box in the backyard with the whole house, you know, looking at me kind of. So we've developed our... A modular unit, we call her Millie, is three different components that can be turned and put together in different orientations. That way you could kind of look away from the big house, look towards the big house. You can kind of decide what works best for your setup and your property. Um, and the prefab is really fun, but you have to have a, a pretty wide street. You're going to set up a gigantic crane. So some of those costs of the crane and the infrastructure and the shipping to the site kind of offset some of the savings. Okay. Um, I think people are really intrigued by modular, and so we we do get a lot of calls, but, you know, if you have a big power line across the front of your property, unless you have a super big front yard, you're not going to be a candidate for a modular ADU. Mm. So that means like 30% of clients can't do modular. So that led us um, to go to the prefab, Uh uh, sorry, the panelized, and panelized is really interesting because it comes uh, in wall segments, we partnered with Prefab ADUs, which is a company out of um, Fairfield, and um, they've been around, you know, as long as us, 15 years, kind of doing this in this market. And so, they're building the walls in segments. It's pre-run with electrical and plumbing, and then they're just flat packed and sent to a truck. And you can put them on this nifty little wheel and wheel them into any backyard, and then you know, a couple people can lift them into place and connect them. Right. It also really is empowering, like a DIY or our owner builder method. And that's where if you have the skills or you have the time to manage the project with the panels, you can use your sweat equity, you know, to, to keep the cost down. And, you know, so we're seeing that that's helping us tap into like a whole nother group. Right. Um, which is pretty exciting because, you know, we're trying to, you know, just help more people build ADUs that are good quality designs. And so that's that's been helping a lot. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm laughing over here because you said qualified. I watch a lot of YouTube videos. I'm putting these panel, uh, like, yeah. and I feel that makes me qualified. But I think my wife would really argue with me on that. But <laughs> yes. but <laughs> so that's why, I like, yeah, yeah uh, I would feel like I'm qualified and I could take it on. But I don't know if uh, it would actually well, ever get built. Right, and so and then with the panels, you can just we can help you find a, a local contractor right, that will right. assemble it if you don't want to take on. But we're but we're seeing that those allow people to like if they do want to be more hands on or finish out the interiors or do the you know, the kitchen or, you know, they can do that and, you know, kind of pick the path, like pick what pieces they want to take on. So oh, they really can cool. be, um, just try to control the budget. Uh-huh. Right? Yep. Yep. Uh, kind of on that note, like yeah. how has supply chain issues impacted, 
ADU construction costs? You know, it definitely hurt during during the pandemic, but I think we're seeing that everything is kind of rebalanced. I mean, there's um, unless you want a sub zero refrigerator, those sure. are apparently, but we don't put a lot of those in ADUs, so it doesn't. Uh, you know, everything's kind of back on track. Uh-huh. Like the okay. there was a different dance that happened during COVID, mm-hmm. where like, and we still probably order our windows and doors, a, you know, much sooner than we used to historically, just because of that supply chain right. issues, but. I think cost of lumber and concrete have kind of corrected. I think the only thing that's still pretty expensive is metal roofing for some reason hasn't hasn't come down. But for oh, the really? most part, the supply chain is is kind of back on track. I see. What uh, I want to talk about other challenges as well, but what's the I guess price point that you're seeing starting at, and what is what does it range to yeah. when people start adding all of their you know needs and wants? Well, it's tricky. I mean, I will explain, you know, it's hard to answer those questions because ADUs come in so many sizes, right? Like our smallest one, I think so far was 212 square feet. And then our biggest one uh, is 1200 square feet. So there's a huge discrepancy. Ironically, the smaller the ADU, the more expensive per square foot, because you're putting all the expensive parts into Mm -hmm. a small area. So you still have a kitchen, you still have a bathroom, you still have their heating system, your foundation, et cetera. So the little ones are actually much higher per square foot. And then you get to kind of a sweet spot where around 600 to 800 square feet is where you're starting to see a better price. For us, we're seeing prices from, you know, I I like to say I'm a recovering optimist at this point. And I used to always try to be really optimistic, but we live in such an area where construction prices are staying high because they can, I think. Um, But we're seeing ADUs come in at like $400 Four hundred dollars a square foot. Oh, really? Okay. Up to you know eight hundred and over, depending on right. what people are doing. Right. Yeah. Okay. And I think the other big thing to think about with price um, is there's the building or the modular unit, right? And people are like a lot of the companies out there are pretty good about giving you that cost. But then there's a whole other list of things that are super important for homeowners to understand. It's your, is your water meter sized appropriately? Is your electrical meter sized? Is your sewer lateral been updated? Um, you need to connect the cottage with all of that infrastructure. Right. So there's trenching, there's connections. You know, if your backyard is lower than the front of the house, you might need a sewer pump to pump the sewage out. So all of those things are, um, they're not hard to fix, but they're, they have a real price tag assigned to them. And so we have kind of a budgeting tool we use with clients where we go through, okay, let's look at everything that could come up. And it's it's the site, but also the municipality's rules. Like certain areas are going to require a geotechnical engineer to come in and do a soils report because we have expansive clay or we're near a fault line, right? That's like $6,000. So you don't want to, when you're looking at a small build like this, you don't want to over, you know, skip over something like that that's going to have an impact on the overall project. Right, 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 right. I mean, another reason to probably get the experts involved and see the project through that way. I so. think so. And I think it's just important to, you know, because there's a lot more to it than just the modular unit, right? Mm-hmm. Or the, or this, you know, from the ground up. So you, and also, especially up here, we've got a lot of sloped sites. So you need, you're probably going to spend a little more on foundation if you have a hillside. So again, most things are all doable. Um, fire sprinklers are one. The new state law says if they're not in the big house, they don't have to be in the ADU. Okay. But there's a little asterisk. If you have a super deep lot, more than 150 feet from the, the curb to the backside of the ADU, then you can trigger sprinklers. Huh. 
Um, and then oh, wow. if you trigger sprinklers, then you go back to that question, is your water meter big enough? And then if you have to upgrade your water meter, you know, so you want to, yeah, like just owners beware when you talk to a company that has like a, it's this price with an asterisk, like mm-hmm. just get the asterisk explained because those kind of the soft costs that you're required to do from the municipality and what the site tells you in terms of utilities and connections, those are real, that's going to be a little chunk of right. money and you want to put that in your budget because that's all of those pieces all those requirements are not going to be negotiable what you do with the cottage and like decisions you make on the building itself like you have a lot of choice there right sure. but you need to build in those real-time expenses early now correct me if i'm wrong but like those uh like the soils uh geotechnical reports those are specific things that can be covered using that grant program correct? that's true yeah, absolutely. It covers all of that. Okay. Yeah. And if someone is wanting to go that route, they can contact you and you can help walk them through that process yeah. to obtain a grant? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Cool. Uh, you just mentioned a, a lot of different hurdles that someone might face. What, what would you I say the, the biggest challenge that uh, people are facing right now with AD construction? I, know, I mean, been between supply chain issues, um, building costs rising, anything else that you see? I, I mean, I think the, the big thing is it's just the construction costs are just, you know, they continue to grow. And I think, I, honestly, I think for homeowners, it's about just digesting that investment and the, and the price tag. We've seen, because we've been doing them for so long, you see the value of how you might design this ADU for one function today. But then in five years, if your family has some other issue come up and the unit's going to offer some other value, right? And so... The long-term math works out. They're a great value add, um, but you have to pay for it, and it's a big, you know, it's a bigger number than you want. Right, right, right. it is. Uh, but kind of like on that note, uh, you were doing mainly for multi-generational, or, or it seems at first, that's where, at first that's where you started. Yeah, that's where we started. But uh, I think it's important to note that it really adds flexibility to a oh, property. Yeah. So when you go to sell it, I mean, it doesn't just appeal to the multi-generation. It appeals to potentially someone that is looking to subsidize like their, their mortgage right. that way or, or that nature. So uh, it certainly, uh, there, there are, uh, you know, potentially income benefits and long-term equity benefits when you turn around to sell it at that point because it does make the property so much more flexible. I so. think the younger generations, too, are, are much more keen to purchasing a property with an ADU and, and oh, yeah. renting that for income, whereas right. um, historically it might not have been as, I guess, the norm to have someone in your backyard renting. Right. But I think a lot of the younger generations, partly due to affordability issues, they, right. they need that added income. Um, but I do think it, it does fit a, a void right yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we're seeing a lot of families use them in different ways or like boomerang kids are coming, you know, kids are coming back. They can't afford the Bay Area, right? And right. how are you going to buy a, your first house? So, but they don't want to move into their high school bedroom, right? So they, they get the ADU. Um, we've seen, you know, parents move up, move. They don't want to maintain the big house anymore. It's just two of them. They're empty nesting. They want a smaller, new, clean, shiny, beautiful, healthy air quality space. And they move into the ADU and either rent the big house for income because the amount of income the big house brings in will pay off the ADU relatively quickly and then give them a nice income stream. Um, You know, we've had a lot of people do different scenarios. But the, the real fun thing for me is to see like what it was when we designed it and what it, you know, what it is, you know, five, 10, 15 years later. And you see how much 
you know, value it and how how it evolves and just adapts with your family. Right, right. Yeah, which is nice. Yeah, no, again, I think that's that that last scenario is so important because our housing market, we have this clog of this older generation that that are in larger homes that that don't need them, but they have nowhere to go. We haven't right. built enough like smaller units, so they're right. kind of like we have nowhere to go. Right. So this is another solution for that. Where exactly what you said, I just think that's right. so important to bring up that way because yeah. that's a conversation we hear about every week. Right. So um, yeah. Uh, anyway. So yeah. It's, is there any legislator that you're seeing coming down the road that's going to make ADU construction even easier? I know SB nine. That was that the idea behind that was really to help spark ADU construction. I don't think it's done as, as much as they anticipated, <laughs> yeah. but that was the idea. Is there anything else that you're seeing coming uh, down the line to help with that? Yeah, well, we talked about a little bit earlier the um, once an ADU has been built, it, it should go into some sort of being a pre-approved, and we're waiting to see on that. And then the other huge news is that um, you'll have the ability to make your ADU a condo um, so and sell it separately. So I think that system, again, that's a newer law. The governor just signed it. Right. They've done it in Oregon and Washington already, and it's been working well. But if you imagine you build the ADU, and then if life brings you some sort of event or you want to help uh, an adult child get into the market, you can turn your ADU into a condo and sell it. Right, so, right. I'm really curious to hear how it's going to work out because right yeah. now I just don't know if there's – the, the financing that's our concern for it place. oh yeah so yeah and there's a lot of questions will it need separate utilities can it be right. shared right. like so again we're you know we'll have to meet again in the new year once all mm-hmm. these laws get cleaned up but I, I think what's exciting to me is I honestly didn't think that would get passed this year I thought it would take a few code cycles to get sure. you know through and it got in which I thought was pretty interesting and surprising. Um, and then there's a couple other SBs that are like you can put ADUs, ADUs um, on church lots and, and right. other without any zoning one. changes to add more housing and density. And then something we forget about, too, is that ADUs can be put on multifamily properties. So if you have a duplex or if you have a 16-unit building, there's two different ways to get ADUs there, which is either a detached duplex ADU is added in the on the property somewhere or you can take underutilized space like uh, parking and um, like community rooms or other things, and you can develop those into ADUs. And the way the math is, is for every four units you have, you can add one hmm. ADU, but at least one. So if you, have, if you have a multi-unit with two units, you can add one internal or, it's not an and, it's an either or, the two detached in the back. So we're seeing a lot more movement on that front, too. Right. So say you had a, a, a large laundry room of some sorts, you could potentially turn that into, I guess, technically a junior ADU within a multifamily building? It would be, yeah, it, it could qualify as a junior ADU, but you could do it as an ADU. And then, you know, a lot of times we'll see the, the old style where there was, like, parking below and apartments above. Like, you can basically now turn all that parking mm-hmm. into ADUs and then... You kind of fill in that Removed soft story. Parking? You're, you're, holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. That's great. I, That's I, great. I, that. I, I hadn't heard anything about that before about adding ADUs. Yeah, I haven't heard that either. Yeah. But that, that sounds like really, I mean, I think, like you said, the exciting thing is, is that these were conversations we never had before. Right. And at least like at the state level, they're, they're starting to propose the, these ideas. And no, a lot of them are clunky and they're not going right. to work, but at least... I, I think we're going in the right direction. That's Absolutely. why it's so exciting. Yeah. It's, it's really kind of exciting to be in this field and higher yeah. density and things like that because 
there's like movement, there's momentum. Right. You know? And there's so. actually, you know, I mean, from a planning perspective, I mean, they're putting stuff in place that's like, like being realized, which is pretty neat. I mean, it's also a, new, a weird time in that the state's requiring all this new housing. Typically, that would be the burden of some developer to take on and, right. and fight the fight with the cities and the neighbors and those kind of things. Now it's kind of an unusual time where the state is dependent a lot on single-family homeowners to add the density that we need in California. And a lot of times the ADUs are called like the missing middle, right? So right. it's not low low-cost housing and it's not expensive, but it's that that middle zone. Um, but, you know, you can also think about it. I, I figured I better put my money where my mouth is. And we finally built an ADU for my mom um, in our yard. So, you know, she sold her house in Santa Rosa. She had been really close to the fires and it just was too stressful. And she was trying to be respectful and, you know, be far enough away from me. But as her health got older, as she got older and her sure. health became an issue, that distance was problematic. So now she sold her house. She paid for two-thirds of the ADU in our yard, and now she lives there for free. Yep. Um, she's just on our cable, you know, and <laughs> I have to go reset her Netflix all the time <laughs> because <laughs> it thinks it's another household. But other than that, like, that part works really well, and now she can live on a fixed income, and we have an added asset to our property, which we didn't pay inheritance tax on. Right. So the, the money she invested in our property is a gift to us, yes. and it's not a taxable inheritance you know, right exchange, right. which is kind of nifty. Yes, yes, yeah. very cool, very that's cool. A, that's a great, great idea too. Yeah, um, is there uh, anything else that you'd like to cover that that we haven't covered? I want to hear your most interesting ADU story that of, of intricate type property of. Mm, I have to think about that one. Um, well, you know, we're just finishing one. I'm really excited about. Um, we really do try to do them in the backyard and have them indoor, outdoor, and really level for aging in place. But we are doing one right now in Danville that's just finishing, and it's up above their backyard was way higher than the, the front yard, and they had a, a beautiful backyard full of oak trees. So we did a custom design where there's kind of two larger, like a, a nice big open living room and an open bedroom bathroom suite and then it's connected by these bridges that kind of thread through the oak trees That's really cool. um, and our clients are moving in in the next two weeks and their um, daughter and her husband and their kids are moving in to the big house because they needed more space so okay. they did kind of a shift and um, our client bill has been doing a lot of the grandparenting and caregiving for the grandkids and so now they'll be able to be together and they've got the space and we created a little kind of sleeping bunk area for the grandkids in the in the new cottage so they can have their sleepovers. And so, you know, there's kind of that extreme, and that one's big. It's like 1,200 square feet. Uh -huh. um, and then we just are also doing these pretty fun, convert a little one-car garage into an ADU. Mm -hmm. And that's providing kind of that extra home office space. We have a lot of kind of grandparents visiting for like three months at a time right. because of missing out on years with COVID. So they want an extended space that to stay that doesn't disrupt the main house right. so I don't know and then there's lots of fun ones in between but um you know it's just interesting and also two stories have come around and I still nice. have mixed emotions about the two stories of whether that's as an architect whether I think that's super appropriate in the backyard but I think you can do it mindfully and design it where you're not like you know looking right. over your neighbors and, uh -huh. and um but the two stories are interesting because it's it's allowing us to get a lot more square footage, but not take up as much of the yard. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of times, especially if you have a two-story home that's already looking into the neighbors, right. it can be 
can be appropriate that right. way. So no, I think um, as long as you're you know being mindful when you right. approach the design. But we're we've just launched like the panel kits have a two story um, design that that we uh, started with, and that one's almost. We're getting close to done for construction, but oh, very cool. So just seeing, I think it'll be exciting to see where we go if like these different building methods help us um, make it more affordable. Right. You know, um, what can we do to help educate people about the process, educate contractors, and educate? Um, you know, I will say there's a good resource, um, HCD uh, at ca.org or Housing Community Development is the organization that oversees the ADU laws. There is a lot of responsibility to educate yourself. Like the laws are changing so rapidly. And then we have other laws that change, right? Like building code changes every three years, energy code changes, and it's there's a lot to keep up with. So I think if you're a homeowner and you go to your local city and you reach out to someone at planning and building, you may get a no that might be wrong. Right. Um, so HCD has kind of put out a handbook on yeah. ADUs and how to help interpret the law. I think getting a team on your side that's really knowledgeable is super helpful. But I do think if you get a no originally from a preliminary conversation at a building or planning department, I wouldn't necessarily, uh, you might want to educate yourself keep, a little keep bit going keep a little looking. Bit. Yeah, okay. Because, and I, and I don't fault any of the planners or, you know, it's just that things are moving so rapidly. I mean, we do this like full time and it's super hard to keep up and write. Sure. They might talk to an ADU person one day and a you know, a multi-story building and they have to keep up with those things. So just, I think, educate yourself or build a good team is, is important because it's an evolving mm-hmm. an evolving landscape. Right. On that note, what's the best way someone could get in touch with you, learn more about this and sure. everything that you provide? We've tried to build out our website, Inspired ADUs, with a lot of resources. We've got timelines on how to manage cash flow and what to expect. We've comparing different building types. Um, and then hello at Inspired ADUs is a great way to reach us. Um, the, actually, the best thing, just so you don't get lost in the system, is to book a call through the website. But not everybody likes that. There is a 1-800 number, and a hello at Inspired ADUs is a good way to reach us. Okay, yeah. cool. Great. Well, thank you so much for com- coming on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I encourage those that, that uh, Inspired ADUs uh, uh, seem to be a very good resource uh, for all dif- different types of ADUs. Again, that's that's kind of unique. I haven't really seen that out there. So I encourage those that are looking for uh, uh, to do an ADU project to reach out to you guys and talk to you. Yeah. So especially with all the navigation through all the planning stuff, like you said, right. it's, it really helps have someone that's knowledgeable and can help point in the right direction because otherwise you might just want to walk away from it after one, right. one conversation at the city. Yeah. Don't be encouraged. Yeah. They're yeah. really positive. Yeah. And thank you guys for highlighting them. I think um, they're a really great new type of housing. And I think, you know, the more we get the message out there. Sure. Yep. You know, they're needed. They're, 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 needed. they're a piece of uh, the housing crisis puzzle that way. Yeah. So I think so. And you know, if we're not the right fit, it's fine. We know like there's, we could all build ADUs all day long and have plenty of work. You know, it's just sure. talk to people, talk, find the right fit for you, for your property, for your budget. Um, there's a lot of interesting people out there doing things. So absolutely. Very yeah. cool. Very cool. Well, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, if uh, uh, you guys enjoyed this, please hit like and subscribe so you can see future episodes. Thank you, everyone. See you next time. Welcome to the Live Explore podcast. If you like what you hear, Please hit like and subscribe.